0: James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God so desires. Divine setup number two. You can run, but you can't hide. This is Sean And the Word. Hey, God bless you. It is so good to be with you. I'm very thankful for the Word of the Lord and for this time to be together. And as I said uh, earlier on the other podcast, man, what a great time to be followers of Jesus Christ, to be filled with His Holy Spirit and to have oil in our lamps in this dark, dark time. That we're in and uh, across the globe, it's just not here in this nation, it's across the globe. We can really, I'm not a end times kind of guy, but I know my Lord is coming and he's coming soon. And these are just the beginning of birth pangs. Hallelujah. Our, our welcoming of our Lord and Savior is coming soon and we rejoice at that. So today we're going to talk about, continue talking about divine setups and when I talk about divine setups, we're saying that God has a way of putting people in your life or in my life or us in the situation in order to get where we need to be or to get what we need to get where we need to be. The great thing about divine setups is we're not recognizing it at the time of it taking place, but we sure enough will understand it afterward that, man, God and his providence and sovereignty put this together. He caused it to happen. Uh, Just think about Joseph's life and how he had a dream where he uh, had this purpose or promise from the Lord that he would rule and reign, that he would be in charge and over his brothers and his family, and then all of a sudden it looked like he was going backwards from that dream, going backwards from that promise. He was beaten, almost killed by his brothers, sold into slavery, and then the Lord raised him up inside of that slavery in Potiphar's house. And uh, next thing you know, Potiphar's wife uh, falsely accused him of attacking her. Not only was he falsely accused, he was thrown in prison. Now, you like again, you think he's going backwards from this dream, from this purpose. But th- then in, in prison, he met these two workers that worked in the courts of the Pharaoh, the king. And in those two guys had dreams one night. And, And he interpreted the dreams, and one was to die, and one was to go back to his job. Sure enough, that took place. The one that went back to his job was back in the king's courts, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret it. And that guy that was in jail with with Joseph a time before, all of a sudden, remember Joseph says, Pharaoh, I have somebody that can interpret your dream. And Pharaoh says, bring him here. Joseph interprets the dream for Pharaoh, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh puts him in a place to prepare for that dream, to prepare for the the famine that was coming, put him uh, second in charge over all the land, over all of Egypt. And God used Joseph in an extraordinary way. Even when it would look like he was going backwards, he was still moving forward to the dream. Now, Joseph's children, Joseph's family comes to him uh, looking to get some assistance in the midst of this famine. And Joseph tells them, he says in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, he re, he might have not have known it during the time it was happening, but afterwards he recognized that it was a divine setup. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, he says, "You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph recognizes that the Lord had put him in the right situation around the right people at the right times to get him in the right place where he needed to be. Joseph recognized the providence of God. Even when it didn't feel like it, Joseph looked back and said, that was God. God did that. I have and you have experienced so many times and events in our lives when we truly experience a move of God or a divine setup, and we may not have recognized it in the midst of it or at the time, but when we look back at it, we said, man, that was God. God did that. God put that, that person there. God put that situation there. God allowed that to take place in order for me to get or to meet or to do what I needed to do in order to be who I needed to be to where I'm going. Before I came to the Lord I had a real serious anger issue. I mean, it was I was mad all the time. I was hateful. I had this deep-rooted anger. It was violent as a better words. Even the music I listened to was that gangster rap and it was kill kill kill, murder murder murder. I mean, it was this this mindset that I had. When I got saved, I experienced this baptism of the love of God and it, it, it seemingly was like that that anger, or hatred was removed or replaced or done away with. And when I went back to Farron, as I was telling the testimony about being with Brother Henry, during that time of 2003, I went back to Farron, and I was doing air conditioning, and I was hanging, I was spending a lot of time with Brother Henry every day, spending time seeking the face of God, praying, growing, and learning. But it was also during that time that God wanted to begin doing some deep cleaning in my life, not just that surface stuff that was evident but some deep rooted things that I knew nothing about and he used divine setups to expose them, to expose exactly what I needed for my life and how to handle situations not just for that day but for the future. One of the days we were working and the, uh, the electricians, Carter Electric, they had these carts, these electrical carts with all their tools and equipment and fittings on it and uh, they had a vise on that cart, and they would be able to push it around to where they were working. It made it easier. And air conditioning, uh, H- HVAC duck, man, you know, when we did insulation, we had these duck knives, and our duck knives would get dull. And so one day I was using, it was pretty normal to do this because we worked together for so long. I took one of the electrician's carts, and I was using this vise on, on this cart, and I was sharpening my duck knife on it so I could do my insulation. I mean, it was a normal practice. One of the electricians walks around the corner, and he's like, dude, what are you doing on my car? And I'm like, I'm just sharpening my knife. And uh, I said, hey, man, I'm just sharpening my knife. No problem. And he flipped out on me, started yelling and cussing, and started threatening me. And I'm sitting there taking it. And I'm taking it, and I'm taking it, and I'm taking it. But, boy, in my heart and in my (laughs) depths of my soul, I'm undoing that vice in my mind, and I'm taking that knife and stabbing him with it. You know, I'm, I'm angry on the inside. Well, I said, man, you know, I'm sorry, and I walked away. Well, that night I was praying and reading the Bible as I did every night, and all of a sudden I come across this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone, Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in the danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. Offer your gift. Man, that night, anger was exposed. Jesus says in this scripture right here that uh, murder is not just a physical act, or but an inward feeling. You see, murder is only a reaction to an inward feeling of hatred and anger. If your heart is not right, Jesus says, you can't bring your gift to the Lord and think it to be acceptable because he weighs your heart. Me as a man at that time that was learning how to really worship and come to God and pray and just be in the presence of the Lord, this really bothered me. It wasn't just that the anger could have led to something more destructive like murder or something sinful. But that that depth of my heart that I had against my brother was really stopping me from coming unto the Lord. It's a call not to grieve the Holy Spirit. See, it's the Holy Spirit is the one that is warning of all warnings to not grieve them, not to shame them, not to embarrass them. That's the warning of all warnings. I believe that the church we don't talk about enough. For it is He, the Holy Spirit, that is the in house resident of God. And if we shame Him and bear Him or, or cause Him to suffer uh, sadness because we're not obedient or not willing to acknowledge Him or submit to Him or His ways, then that's an issue. We have to live our life mindful that He is wanting to teach us, show us, and lead us to greener pastures. But we would never get to those pastures or to those places or to those lessons if we don't listen, follow, and obey. The Lord was telling me to go back to this guy that threatened me and cursed me out and embarrassed me and apologize. That is not something I was wanting to do. I mean, I'm a big guy, uh, a manly man, and to come, I mean, have the anger in my heart, to have that situation exposed by the Lord, and the Lord tell me to go back and to show myself weak and humble before this guy, I mean, that's a big deal for me. And I didn't want to do it. But what I never would want is to embarrass the Holy Spirit or to keep me from having access to sweet communion with him. So I made an agreement that the next morning I would do it. I go to work, sure enough right there because everybody shows up we're supposed to start at seven everybody shows up when they can and the there was an elevator outside called the buck hoist would all meet you know you walk to the buck hoist this caged area and then you know as the buck hoist would take people to to the floor where we're working you know be various groups at various times as they showed up before seven my group shows up and sure enough the guy that the electrician was there i mean so happens he was there right (laughs) Well, I said, hey, man, about yesterday, I just want to tell you, man, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. I got really angry in my heart, and I felt like I wanted to do something to you, and that wasn't right, man, and please forgive me. I'm sorry. I was sincere, honest, and open, vulnerable to this guy. This dude looks at me, and he goes, you want to make me happy? And I, and I said, yeah, yes, I do want to make you happy. He says, don't look at me and don't talk to me. Dang. That's first thing in the morning. You're talking about something raging up inside of me again. I'm like, man, that's not what I wanted to hear. And I brought it back to the Lord. I had to go back and pray. I had to go back and say, Lord, what are you going to do now? I mean, I did what you told me to do, but there's still this inside of me that wants to respond to him. The Lord showed me again from Matthew from the Sermon on the Mount, the lips of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 46 through 47. If you love those who love you, what reward will you, you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you going to do? What are you doing more than others? Not even, don't even the pagans do that? He's saying, what good is it for you to love somebody that loves you? Non-believers do that. You need to learn to love them that hate you. For what seemed so what I did and made up in my mind and what seemed like months that follow, I would make it a point to love this guy. I know he didn't like me, and knew he was angry and angry at me, but I made it a point I'm gonna love this guy. So it so happens it seemed like months, every day. Guess who showed up with my group every day to get on that buck (laughs) hoist? You're right, that electrician. And every day riding up that elevator, every day waiting in that cage for the buck hoist, we would, I mean, uh, we're we're opposite each other. And I would say, good morning. How are you? And he would just, dirty look, not saying nothing. Every morning, what seemed like months "'Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you?' Nothing. 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 It's dirty looks. Cold shoulders. Then one morning, it was a Monday morning, I said, sure enough, shows up at the same time, same place, getting on the buck hoys. "'Good morning. How are you? How was your weekend?' "'Man, I'm good. It is a good morning.'" Dude, I had a great weekend. When he responded, I'm telling you, it had to be the best feeling I had had up to that point. It was like fireworks went off inside of me. It was unbelievable, that victory that I had at that point. I loved this man to a friendship. Friendship. The Lord used that divine setup to expose some deep-rooted sin in my life, but on top of it also to reveal a long-lasting principle. Obey the Holy Spirit, for he knows what's best. He knows what I need. He knows what I need to get where I'm going. He knows that the ministry or the work I'm going to be involved in is not always going to be biscuit wheels and gravy train. Not everybody's going to wave at me and smile and respond to me in the way that I think they should, but that should not change the way that I love them. God needed to teach this to me, and he only could teach it to me through a divine setup, through a divine setup that would glorify his name and change me and prepare me for my purpose. In God's providence, maybe, just maybe, He has brought up some of those type of similar situations in your life or even some people or messages like the one you're hearing today. And maybe he's exposing some unforgiveness, some bitterness or anger that has not yet been dealt with. You've been bringing your gift. You've been bringing your offering unto the Lord. You've been bringing your worship. And time and time again, he says, you need to leave it there and go deal with that situation. You need to leave it there and go take care of that circumstance. You need to leave it there and go make it right. You see, he judges the heart. And he wants our hearts to be pure when we come to him. He wants our minds to be cleansed, that we could come into his presence and enjoy sweet communion. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with our actions. Our desire should be simply to obey. Maybe it's showing you some things that you need to, to repent of, some things that has embarrassed the Holy Spirit, some things that has grieved Him or caused Him to suffer some sadness. When we live a life far from obedience, we live a life of causing the Holy Spirit to suffer sadness. Think about that. We grieve the heart of God. But he gives us divine setups, just like I experienced, just like you have experienced, just like even messages like this, so that one more time we could deal with the dirt and that he can offer us himself. Surely we can run, but we can't hide. Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, living God, we want to respond to you today. Lord, that we would make it right with, with those who surrounds us. Lord, with family members, with friends, with neighbors, with situations, circumstances. God, that we'll make it right because, Lord, your presence is better than life. Your presence is worth more than gold and silver. Your sweet communion with you, Lord, is, is the treasure of this life. And Lord, help us to, to understand, God, that, Lord, as Matthew said and as as the That Zacchaeus said, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes to to pay back or to give back or to do what's, what's right with those who have wronged in order to be one with you. And Lord, we say that today. And we acknowledge that we can run, but we sure enough can't hide. And we thank you for setups even like this, where you expose so that you can heal and deliver we thank you for joy, peace, deliverance, and presence, the presence of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you all the way. Thank you for joining me again on Sean and the Word. See you next time.